I want to talk to you today. You can get your worship guide out. Follow us on version as well. The outline is in there. Today, we're going to talk about the third leg of this series, Game Day. The first week, we talked about generosity. G stands for generosity. And then last week was A. How many are here for A on attitude? Come on. Everybody have a good attitude this morning? Come on. If you don't, go online and watch that so you get your attitude right. Uh, But uh, last week was on attitude. Today, we're going to talk about M stands for ministry, and next week, E stands for eternity. So it's our game day series. We're breaking into four pieces. Uh, I want to talk to you about ministry today. You know, I was... um, I had the privilege not too long ago to go with a pastor friend of mine to a Red Sox game. Actually, he has a friend who is an umpire, um, uh, a professional umpire, and for, for his birthday, and you'll meet my friend in the new year, he'll be speaking here, um, he gave my friend a, a card that allows him to get in any um, field in the country for free, go to any game anytime he wants. Imagine that. That's quite a, that's quite a gift, huh? So he just flashes this little badge, and in we walk. And so I go, well, you got tickets? He goes, no. I go, do you need a call in advance? He goes, no, just watch this. And we just show up, and he just goes like this, and they go, oh, come with us, come with us. And we just went right down, right in front of first base. I mean, no, that was a good friend to have. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> trust me, we're best friends now. We were, we were acquaintances before, but now we're best friends. So we get down there, and we got away from kind of the craziness, but you could hear them. But, you know, you could hear those, those beer-bellied idiots, you know what I'm saying, that got, like, nacho cheese dripping down their beard, and, and they're screaming and yelling, you know, we can throw better, we can hit better, you know. And you can hear them telling stories, you know, by the fifth, sixth beer, you know what I mean? Like, back when I was in the eighth grade, I was pretty sure I could have played for the Red Sox, you know. And we're like, no, you couldn't. You, you know, you idiot. You know, b- love blinds, but beer blinds too. Come on, is that a principle? Isn't that a principle? I believe it's a principle. But it's amazing, you know, we're around these jokers all the time, you know, and sometimes we've been like that. We have these fantasies of being able to be that, you know, incredible athlete, and we can do this, and we can do that, and, you know, like football players who hit like Mack trucks. We think we can do what they do, and we can run like they can run, and no, we can't. Well, when I hurt my leg in the eighth grade, it kind of, you know, it impeded my dreams. Okay, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I used to have that fantasy, and I wanted to get on the field and play football for the big leagues. And I can remember um, a couple of years ago when we had our turkey bowl, um, which is coming up, you know, right after the day after Thanksgiving, and sign-ups are in the Yes Central for that if you're interested in playing. But we played one of the other churches, New England Chapel. And uh, let's just say this. We won, but I lost. <laughs> you know, that's a principle. Um, you know, like the game won, but man, I walked off the field and I just, you know, I, I was grinning and gritting my teeth, you know what I mean? Not letting anybody know, but I was wincing, you know? And I got in the car, it's like, oh boy. And like the next three days, it was just, it was just, you know, bag bomb and or whatever you call it, that kind of muscle rub stuff and all that, and warm baths. And I was, I was my body had been in tremendous agony and I realized just how amazing Really, these professional athletes are that play over and over and over again under incredible stress and duress and getting hit all the time. And, and, and I want to talk to you today about, you know, playing, you know, on the field of faith and kind of another level, uh, another game level. And, and I want to talk to you about a level that is much greater than the NFL or any kind of baseball game or any other contest. The scripture actually uses language to refer uh, to, to our faith and its application in terms, in athletic terms and in training terms. It talks about strict training and it talks about getting onto the field and different things. And, and I want to talk to you about playing on the field of faith. And maybe 
and I don't know if this is true of you, but you might be watching the game, but not in it. And I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Are you watching the game? Are you not in it? Matthew 20, 28, I think it's in your notes, but it says this. Whoever um, wants to become great among you, you you, you got to be first a servant. So what's different about what these beer-bellied idiots were saying at the Red Sox game is you just can't poke, you know, and hurl insults and say these different things from the stands. Like the greatest athletes in the kingdom of God are servants. They're servants. The highest the, the, like the, the apex of athleticism in Christianity is servanthood. And Jesus told us this in John chapter 13 when he, um, he divested himself of his, of his heavenly robes. He took off his jacket in heaven, took off all his superpowers, came down to earth. And then in John 13, he got down once again, took off his earthly robe, and then began to wash the disciples' feet. And he said, you know, that what I've done for you, I want you to go and do the same. That's the highest level of leadership. And if Jesus did it, I'm just saying we ought to consider it strongly. And the words serve and, the, and give, they really net out to mean or equal one word, and that word is ministry. Ministry is when you take your God-given skills or talent, the things that he gave you, which you have to figure out what those are. And many people, most Christians, 87% of Christians do not know their spiritual gifts. So if you don't know your spiritual gift, we have a way to help you figure out what that is. We call it in here, you know, a Discovery, Discovery 301, which happens on the third Sunday of every Sunday um, here at Connect, 5.30, low auditorium, food and child care provided, praise the Lord. So if you want to know what those gifts are, you need to get into an environment where you can figure out what those are. But God is saying ministry, getting on the field of faith is when you figure out what those things are and serving those. That's where significance comes from. Uh, Deej teaches this at different times. He's, you know, but I can hear him saying it. He's probably heard it from me years ago, and I heard it from somebody else. But basically, desire Design destiny. You have these passions inside of you, these desires to do something great. Then you were made and created a certain way to do something unbelievable. It's part of your purpose and the plan of God for your life. They're all connected. They're all connected. And God wants to reveal that to you. So ministry is when you take your, and use your God-given skill set on the field of faith. And, but when I say things like that or I kind of recite that definition, a lot of times we think, oh, you know what? I understand what you're saying, but that's for those heavy hitters. That's for the professional athletes. That's for the professional Christians. That's for the TD Jakes of the world. Come on, somebody. Wave your hanky in the air. Wave it like you just don't care, you know what I mean? And walk around, you know, like the, like the bishop does, you know what I mean? He, he kind of buttons his jacket, kind of got the belly sticking out just a little bit, and he does this. You ever seen T.D. Jakes? Yeah. He kind of sits with his little pigeon toe just like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and he pulls out that hanky right here. Whew! Some of you guys don't know T.D. Jakes. You got to get on... You got to get online and watch C.D. Jakes. You know, that's just reserved for the Joyce Myers. Come on, ladies. You know, the Joyce Myers. We just think that's the kind of people that God's going to use. Those are the professional athletes. Only, he only uses those kind of people, but that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. We think we're ordinary and they're extraordinary, but the Bible says that those there that know their God will do the extraordinary, Daniel 11.32. So if you're thinking that, then you missed it. The math 
on that really doesn't hold water because the Bible says that when you're hooked into the fellowship, we should be involved in ministry, Ephesians 4.11. We were all created to do the work of the ministry. Membership equates to ministry. So if you're part of a body, then you should be using your God-giving skill set on the field of faith. you got to, at some point, leave the stands Stop assessing the game and being involved and participating in the game. We make room, and so let me just be clear. This is not trying to force somebody, but it might be goad somebody, okay? So let me, let me differentiate. People who come to Connect, we think we have, we use the term consumer contributor. We don't think consumer is a bad word, unless you've been a consumer for 10 years, let me say, it's not a bad word, but it's a bad thing to continue to consume, 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 consume. So some people, it's okay. Come in. You need to receive. That's why we exist, to help people. It's like a hospital. Come on in. Let's help them. Let's get them healed. Let's get them restored. Our vision, fundamentally, we have four things that are really our vision. We want to help people get saved. We want to see people delivered. That means they have, everybody has issues, right? If you don't think you have an issue, that's your issue. Okay, so it can be pride, right? So we want to help people get saved. That means we want to help them find faith. Listen, we don't care if you join the church, but please join Jesus. You know, if you drew your last breath, we want to make sure you're right with him, right? Standing with God is more important. All the other relationships will work out if you do that. So saved. We want to see you delivered. We want to see you work through your issues. You're, you know, before you can face tomorrows, you've got to deal with your yesterdays. All right? And then we want to see you redeemed. That means all that bad stuff that's happened in the past, listen, when you kind of point in the direction of God, you, go on his, you start going his way, you get on his team, he's going to use all that, redeem it, restore it, bring accounts back to zero, and then build on that, be a platform, a catapult for your ministry. So I thought when I was watching TV and all these crazy, listening to all this music and all these stupid things that I was doing, then when I became a, felt like God was calling me, I looked at all the professional athletes in the faith and said, I can never be like them. I'll never be able to communicate like them. I'll never know the Bible like them. You know what? He dropped the word of God in me. I became so hungry for God's word. I learned it so much. The same thing's happened to my son right now. He's learned the Bible like so fast. A couple of years ago, he's like, I'll never be able to be like my dad. About a year ago, I started listening to the Bible just come out of him like a ticker tape, and he goes to sleep at night listening to one, two, three, four messages in a row from some of the greatest preachers in the world. That's in the world. That's how he sleeps now. Before he was listening to secular radio, before he was listening to crap. But once God got his heart, he just poured all that good stuff in him. But then all that culture and that cool factor that he had, now God's taken all that, and he's put it on top of the word of God, and he's using that to be able to connect with the next generation. That's, that's redemption. That's what it looks like. Does that make sense? So you think all that stuff, it's going to hold me down. It's going to be a ball and chain. No, nah, it's going to be a boomer. It's going to be something that catapults you into your destiny. That's what he wants to do. And so if you're guest this morning, you, get to, you, you picked a great weekend because you have a wonderful opportunity to see why people are stoked for service. I want to show you a video right now. I want you to see kind of just vividly what happens here in a real quick, I mean, we could have done a lot more than what I'm getting ready to show you, but I want you to see like how the dream team operates every single Sunday morning and worship experience here during the week through different events and things that we do and also in the weekend worship experience. Check this out. I hope you guys like this.
serving God. Uh, I've met some of the best people that I know on planet Earth right here in this church. Um, and that has changed my life quite a bit, actually, just being able to connect and uh, stay grounded here with uh, people that are trying to do the same thing. So that's one thing that I really, really like about Connect. Oh my gosh, serving me here? It's amazing. I love it. I love it. I'm always looking, I'm always looking for for Sunday where I can be at the door where I truly believe there where I belong to. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Well, I love to serve and connect. It's just the joy that it gives me to just be able to, to hug everybody and just to get to know everyone and, and know that that is making a difference for God and God's kingdom. Just to be able to welcome somebody and with open arms and know that that's Jesus' arms wrapping around him. That's the, that's the neatest part of my job. I got the best job in the world. I love the people. I love hanging out with people at our church. We have the best people in the world. And um, we just have a fun time, like hanging out together and laughing and loving on each other and then um, just serving people. It's awesome. Um, just a family atmosphere. Like I've been here most of my life and everyone here is just family to me. It's a place where I always know I can come back to no matter where I go. It's always a place I can come back to and have close friends that uh, I can just do life with. So it's an awesome feeling. It is really flipping awesome. You won't believe it's playing the love of Jesus. All the kids what we have here. We love them and every day we want to spread the word, make them feel believing that Jesus is coming. They love Jesus and Jesus is there. <laughs> oh, Junior. That's Junior down at Kids World. He's awesome. I love Sam with the donut. You know, it's like family, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like very comfortable, you know, very cozy. I love serving. Sleeves of donuts going down his face. We got to have fun while we're doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, you got the thing that I love about that, that this was nothing conjured. You know, hey, make sure when you get on video, you sound really excited. Okay, Michelle? No, Michelle's always that way. Okay? We didn't have to tell her to do that. All right? So those people are stoked for service. And the reason that they're stoked for service was because we didn't recruit them and say, here, come help me do this. We said, what is it you love to do? What were you created to do? What are you good at? What are you gifted to do? And then we put them in a position where they could do what they love to do and what they're passionate about. That's why Lori has been serving at the door for almost a decade. 10 years. And she just said that last week. So... It's a big difference from what you see in the environment because you can go in one church and everybody's just doing their part in nobility. You know, Christians, I mean, we got to serve. I mean, we got to, you know, I got to show up. I got to move the chairs around. I got to get the coffee. It's time to get the donuts. <laughs> see, that's not what's happening. People, that, it used to be like that, to be honest with you. We need to get some stuff done, you know? And we always say that 80% of what people are doing ought to be in their fit and 20% is family responsibility. In other words, at our house, hey, we want to help you, son, daughters, I have many children, um, pray for me, but we want to help you do what you're created to do, but since you live here, you got to help Deb, you got to take out the trash, girls, you got to help mom with supper, we all got to kind of make our beds before we go, so there's, there's always some things that are just the family responsibilities, does that make sense? But when everything is that, then you have a different culture in a different environment. But when people are serving optimally, that means not just doing the bare bones, but they're all in and they're serving in a thing that they're gifted to do, that's why you get people who are excited like you just saw. 
and it changes the atmosphere. But it, it makes two things. It makes, and this is, there's the second one's the big one. It makes an organizational impact. So the church runs better. It's, it's, it's done with excellence. And so you can have life and excellence and they merge. A spirit of excellence. It's not performance-based, but it's presence-based. You can feel the difference. It's, it's, it affects the culture. But the second thing that it does is it makes an eternal impact. And my question to you, those of you who are watching from the stands and not on the field of faith, active in your gift, running in a lane, you know, got a, got a shirt on, not red-shirted, not sidelined, you're in the game, is what are you doing that's making an eternal impact in your life? That's what you were created to do. And let me give you several reasons to get into ministry. Number one, I have been drafted. Everybody say, I've been drafted. In other words, you're God's man. You're God's woman. He's watched you. He, he's, 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 he's drafted you. He's had his eye on you. You are unique. There will never be another Derek Fry. Check it out. <laughs> the one and only. There will never be another you. Your uniqueness is critical. When you are trying to be like, you know, if I get to heaven and, and God, and I was trying to be somebody else, God would reprimand me. Why were you trying to be like Tom Brady? Why were you trying to be like Rich Fronin? Because he's jacked, God. Some of you don't know who he is, but that's okay. But, but you need to be, why are you trying to be like Joel Osteen and smile with your eyes? You need to be you. You were created to be you. He's going to say you weren't more like you. If you don't be you, listen, there's a gap in history. There's a gap in creativity. There's things that you're, I'm, I'm actually discovering gifts, listen, at, my, at 40 something years old, just this weekend that I've had by working with other people with other gifts creatively. I'm realizing, you know what? That's something God gifted me to do. I, I, I help people with their story. I help people pull out different things, you know? And, 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 and so y- there'd be a gap in creativity if you're not operating in you the way God created you. Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorite verses in the Bible says, for we are his workmanship. Everybody say workmanship. That means another translation says masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to do. Everybody say to do. That means I was created to do. You were created to do something which God prepared in advance for you. In other words, before you even came to be, you launched out of your mother's womb, you were created to do something. What do you mean? You mean before I came out, some, God had something on me to do? Yes. He had an assignment, then he created you to match that assignment, and then he put you in the world to figure out what that was and find significance and fulfillment when you did it. We're God's number one pick. He drafted you to do something great, and it requires, it's like the cheerleaders, you know, A-C-T, I-O-N, you know, action, action. We want action. You, God is looking for faith without works is dead. Religion without relationship is dead, but faith without works is dead also. So you've been drafted. Number two, say, I have been signed. Signed. Some of you here have already signed the dotted line. What does that mean? Here's what God said. Our loving God saw the sin that separated you. He saw the, the distance between you and God and his God and his unlimited bank. How many know that your God is loaded? In other words, there is no salary cap from his ability to go and get you. Nothing prohibited him from being able to do that. He negotiated an incredible deal, and he came to earth to show the way to get you to play on his team. 
He went out of his way. And you have a choice, and I have a choice, and I made that choice to decide to sign on to his team. He negotiated the deal. He paid for the deal. You just have to accept the deal of grace. It's, it's, it's like football. It's a faith, a grace reception. The only thing you have to do with grace is receive it. You cannot earn it or deserve it. It is, it is a pass that you have to catch. You have to receive it. How do you receive it? You receive it by faith. How do you get signed onto the family of God? By faith in Jesus Christ, not by works. So you're not signed by works, but you're, sa- you're signed to do good works, but you're not signed by them. You're saved not by works, but you're saved for good works. You're created to do good works, but that's not what saves you. It's just what you're created to do once you're saved. If that make, does that make sense to everybody out there? So we're signed. We're signed, and there are benefits that come with that. Once you get signed, you have a clear conscience. You can find real peace, lasting joy. You find out what life's all about. Number three, say this, I'm gifted. I'm gifted. I'm gifted. Actually, say this, say, I've got skills. Turn to your neighbor and say, i got skills. You know, I used to say, I got handles. I don't really have great handles anymore, but I used to. I used to have a left hand when nobody had a left hand. Some people had a right hand, but I had a left hand. So then I got to the point where I like to go left, and everybody wanted to go right, and that was an advantage for a while to a certain point. But then gravity stepped in, and I wait way too much. But, uh, but I'm gifted. Everybody's gifted. You all have a skill set that God wants to use, talent that God's given you. First Peter 4, look in your notes. It says, God has given gifts. Now, the word gifts in the Greek basically means this. You know, Greek is just how the New Testament, the original language of the New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament primarily was written in Hebrew. So when you go into, you look at English words in your Bible, they have different nuances and meanings behind those, and you kind of, you can unpack those and see a lot more in there. But gifts is not like gifts under a Christmas tree. It's talking about divine enablements. So when you, when you get drafted, you accept and you get signed, then God gives you these gifts, these special gifts. These like special abilities, these divine enablements, and it, it can sometimes affect your knowledge, your competence, your, your abilities. And he gives them to each of you, it says, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Then he says this, and this is the key part, and everybody forgets this, and everybody moves on to the next story, but it says, manage them well. Everybody say, manage them. Yeah. So it's a stewardship. So when you've been given a certain gift, now my, one of my gifts, and this is not, it would be false humility to say it's not a gift. In other words, to say that I'm not a communicator would, would not be humility. That would be false humility. Does that make sense? Saying I'm nothing, you know, I don't have, you know, it's like saying I can't sing. Now, I, I don't sing as good as I once did because I haven't been singing as much. In fact, I'm a little nervous about singing like I used to. But, but God gave me the gift to sing. It's false humility to say I can't sing, right? But with that gift is a responsibility, with, I'm going to go Spider-Man on you, with great power comes great responsibility. Isn't it amazing how everybody knows that story, but they don't know what the Bible says in 1 Peter 4.10. <laughs> so the Bible's saying, here's a gift, manage it well. Manage it well. Steward it well. Don't just hide it in the ground. Don't just bury it and walk by it. So you all have gifts. You've got to figure out what those are. And then when you do, that God gave you, he gave them to you for a purpose, to do something with them. You need to manage them well. Can I have an amen or an oh me out there? So what's, what's you know, it's kind of, you got to figure out these things. What's the meaning of life? Why are you here? Are we here to take up space, God's grace, suck air? Are we here to, are we here to just, this, I think people think we're here to, I heard this guy say, are you just here to communicate, procreate, recreate, and die? 
You know, is that just all we're here to do, or is there something bigger? The highest level of living, what, what um, Maslow's hierarchy of human needs, I don't even have to use the Bible on this, although there's tons on that, is just saying living in not just survival mode, not success mode, the American dream, but significance mode, where I'm doing something that's greater than just meeting my own personal needs. That's what God wants for us. So we're to manage them well. We're to manage them well. What if, what if, you know, you think about football, and we'll all be watching the game today, I'm sure, some of us anyway. I can't wait, by the way. Um, but what if, what if, you know, um, Tom Brady was asked by Belichick, you know, to get in the game. You know, it's the fourth quarter. It's like, you know, it's like 56 to 10. You know, but then in the fourth quarter, it goes up to 56 to 20, and, and Belichick says, Tom, I need, I need you to get back in the game and, and, uh, because I, want to, I need to get that score up to 70 so that when people look at the stinking game, they think it's basketball and not football, get your butt in the game. And Tom Brady says, no, I'm not going to go in. What, what would Belichick do with that? Some of you are like, well, he'd be like, okay, <laughs> no problem because you're Tom Brady. But... But no, but at some point, if Tom Brady wouldn't use his gifts on the field with the gifts that he's been given in the sport that he's gifted to play, he, he, eventually there's going to be a discipline for that. There's, he could get cut if he doesn't play the game. Does that make sense to anybody out there? And sometimes, you, you know, sometimes we don't think about that with the gifts that God's given us. A non-ministering, a non action-oriented Christian is really like an oxymoron in Scripture, or you could just take out the oxy. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just seem to be paying attention about out there, okay? But basically, God's Word says He has every right to cut those people who are not getting involved. Not cut out of the family like you're out, but, but cut like you can't play. Like your rewards are affected by that. And I'll come to that in a little bit, okay? So God's given you these skills to be used by God. Romans 12 says this, just as each of you have one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so we're all different, different parts, so in Christ we who are many form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. So you have a responsibility not just to you and to God, you have a responsibility to everybody else. There's not only, only going to be a you, and there'll be a gap in history and a gap in creativity, but you are connected to other people. You're affecting other people by not using your skill set on the field of faith. You're affecting the function. And it's like the stomach. You know, we think about our stomach, by the way. Mine's growling already. It's so hungry. But if your stomach could talk, how many, how many would say, my stomach does talk? <laughs> how many stomachs have already been talking, and you wanted to tell your neighbor, could you shut it up? Okay, so if, if your stomach could talk and, and it said to you, hey, Derek, uh, you know, I don't work anymore. You know what I mean? Just feed me. Feed me, baby. Feed me. If the stomach could talk and it could say to you, I'm not doing any more work, you know, just, just come on. Just keep feeding me. Just keep feeding me. What, you know, what, what would you say to something like that? What if your stomach could talk again? Get, you'd say to the stomach, because if, if it doesn't work, there's going to be problems. <laughs> this could get gross, so I'm going to stay away from that. But you tell your stomach, if you could, get to work. Get to work. Stomach, do what, you're, do, what you're, do what you're skilled to do, which isn't supposed to grow out indefinitely and just kind of get, you know, distorted. And every now and then people come to me and they, they say things like this regarding church. And again, initially this is okay. And for a time and a space, it's okay. But just, I just come here to get fed. Where I'm fed is where I'm led. You know, some people don't like this preaching right here, but that's okay. God, I want to say to you that 
you know, a lot of people aren't happy right now, but uh, we're going to keep going. But you'll never grow. My point is, can I pass to you guys this morning? You'll never grow if it's just feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Eventually, the stomach has to get to work. So yeah, you got to go to a place where you're getting fed, but you grow and mature and you're blessed, actually. Ultimately, Jesus said this in the beginning, the captain of the team said, when you get to work. We got some people in the stands right here, right now, and sometimes we're sitting on our blessed assurance, as we like to say, you know, and at some point, it's time to move on. So I'm drafted, I'm signed, I'm gifted. Number four, I'm coached. Everybody say, I'm coached. Colossians 3.23 says, work hard and cheerfully, like you saw in that video, in whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Who are we working for? We're working for, I'm communicating, or I should be, not for this audience. I'm communicating for an audience of one, my coach. I'm using my gift, and whenever you use your gift, you're doing it for an audience of one. That's what it means to be uh, out of the stands, on the field of faith, using your gift, who you're doing it for, as unto the Lord, as you're working for God. Every time I want to to please you and your agenda, you know, uh, then the playbook doesn't run well. Everything goes bad. And, and a mature believer should be saying, how can I serve others? But my reward, my appreciation, my attaboys, my high fives, my direction and correction, it comes from my coach. And an immature believer is saying, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. We should be saying, get to work. And I would say to you this, this is my personal um, experience. I'm not saying this is Bible, but I think I could make a case for it. But the, there's, the thing that's grown me most in my spiritual life, my, my character has been responsibility. Responsibility has been the best thing that has ever happened to me. It's saying yes to God, sometimes in spite of what's required. So God opens the door, some, some opportunity avails itself, pray about it, think about it, sure, but at some point, I step in. I step out of comfort zone, I, I, I step out of just kind of what's cozy for me, behind the remote control, and I get out and I do something. And when I said yes to those things, I always grew. So sometimes we're not growing because we won't take that next step. We won't take that next step. It's quiet in here. John chapter 15 says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. God wants you to bear fruit. He wants you to show that you're you're a follower of him. So I'm drafted, I'm signed, I'm gifted, I'm coached. Last one, number five, I'm graded. I'm graded. You talk to any NFL football player and they'll tell you that they spend countless hours watching film and footage. You know of who? Themselves and their team. They watch, they watch you know, and, and others, of course, to prepare as they go forward. But, but they're grading themselves and others are grading them too, right? And so sometimes somebody's saying to them, hey, you missed that block. Hey, you missed that tackle. Hey, you were supposed to be in this particular position in this particular time. You know, I'm amazed how Christians sometimes, with our jobs, we're there on time, or we should be, but when it comes to a role or position we play in the economy of God, like, we might not even call, not even show up. It's going to get hot in here. (laughs) Again, this isn't for everybody, But one day, we'll all face the coach. One day, we're all going to face the coach, and he's going to look to us and say, what did you do with what I bestowed upon your life? What did you do with the gifts and talents that I gave you? Listen, and I've told you this before, and this is, this is as heavy as I'm going to get, and then I'll get out of the heavy and stuff. But there's, there's, according to Scripture, there's a, there's a judgment of faith, and there's a judgment of works. So one day, we're going to all stand before God, I believe. You don't have to believe that. That's okay. I respect that, but I believe that, so that's why I live this way. I believe we're going to stand before God, and what's the deal? God's going to say, what's the deal with you and my son? I sent my son to earth. 
you know, and he, he, he drafted you. And, and he, he negotiated an incredible deal. You couldn't pay for the price tag on your life. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't earn it. You owed a debt you couldn't pay. He paid a debt he didn't know. He went down there with all the bank in the world, negotiated an incredible deal. You have to decide whether you sign. Did you sign? Yes, I did. What does that mean? It means I, I, accepted, I accepted Jesus paid the price for my sins, present, past, and anything I'm going to do in the future. I realized that I couldn't save myself. I realized that my nature was stronger than my intelligence. I'm a smart guy. I thought I was. I'm really not, actually, the older I get. <laughs> Upon reflection, as a teenager, I was omniscient. <laughs> At 40-something, not so much. But, but I realized that this nature kept getting me in trouble. I kept doing the things I didn't want to do. I, kept cha- I, could, I couldn't change it. Only thing that could change me was God who could come in and take this nature, sinful nature, and see it See it literally renovated and, and not reformed, but renewed, transformed by a new nature, God. And how can I get that? I had, to, I had a sign. I had to accept by faith grace that Jesus negotiated this deal for me. I did that. Okay. So you're, I'm good on the first judgment. Come on in. It's awesome. You get it. You couldn't have deserved it. You couldn't earn it. You get it. Over here, there's going to be another line. Judgment of faith. I mean, judgment of works. And God's going to say, hey, I gave you this ability, this ability, and this ability. You did? Not a good answer, not a good start. <laughs> and then I gave you those things. What did you do with those? Well, I actually buried them in the ground because I knew that you were a hard guy to work for. And, you, you know, you, you expect things without really giving me what I need, and, the, and you didn't really back me up, and you really didn't high-five me, and you didn't show me how to do it, and you didn't put anybody in my life to teach me how to do it. Come again, son? <laughs> so, you, you know what? Some people are going to be driving a limo, you're on a skateboard. Mm. <laughs> so our rewards, there are levels of rewards in eternity. And some of us don't live with an eternal perspective. We live in the temporary. And so we hold on this life so tightly, and it destroys us. And so something else becomes our God. And God's okay with us having other loves. He just wants us to have him as our first love. And we're going to be graded. And if we do good with what God's given us, we're going to get some big attaboys and some great rewards. So we've been drafted, we've been signed, we're gifted, we're coached. The question is, you know, do we realize we've been graded? And some of the excuses that we throw at God, write these down quickly, is number one, I'm too busy. It's the genre of the day. Busy bees. Busy badge. Busy badge. We talked about this last week. I'm wearing a busy badge. You know what busy badge means? I'm important. Check it out. Busy badge. Busy badge. See how important I am. All right? But are we more important than God of the universe who stopped to meet people's needs? I don't think so. Number two, another excuse we throw at God is this church doesn't need me. This church doesn't need me. And so I think the enemy of our soul says you're disqualified, you're red-shirted, you're on injured reserve, and so you can't serve here. But he wants to use all of us. Can I have an amen? He wants to use all of us. And so some of us are like, you know, Pastor D, I just come to church. You know, I get the Mac message, the Mac meal, the Mac child care, the Mac resources, and I'm just Mac out of here, Mac daddy. You know what I mean? On we go, all right? But you were wired for this moment to leave the stands and get onto the field of faith. Another excuse is, I just don't know enough. This is a big one. I just don't know enough. You learn as you go. It's OJT. It's on-the-job training, you know? And it's that process of relationship building and equipping and connecting where things begin to grow and you begin to move forward. It's awesome to do that. We'll help you with that. God will help you with that. There's so many things about pastoring I still don't know. You know, some people come to me and go, you should go see Pastor D for that. And they come to me, I'm like, what do you, they say, what do you think? I say, I have no idea. I have no idea. Well, you're the, you're the head kahuna. How come you don't know? Because I've never experienced this before. You're a freak of nature. I've never heard of this. 
<laughs> just, like, I got to pray a lot. All right, here's a few signing bonuses that I want to tell you about for getting off my rear and getting into gear, okay? Some signing bonuses. Number one, we can touch eternity. Nothing, no other entity can touch heaven like the church of Jesus Christ can. It's a heaven and hell deal. Someday, I think I'm going to see people in heaven, and they're going to be, thank you for using your gift. Thank you so much for using your gift. In fact, let me tell you a story, and this is going to, this is, this is real as it gets, okay? Years ago in this church, in this auditorium, I've told this story once or twice. There was a woman who came here. She lived in a shelter. She was brought by some people in our church. We did ministry. Our mission ladies, our mission maids as we call them, brought this lady. She came to church. Louise is going to remember this. She came to church, and she was a mess, a mess, a mess, a mess, all kinds of stuff. Who isn't a mess, right? God wants to take our mess and make it our message, right? Okay, so who isn't a mess? So, and, but she was a mess. And at the end of the service, much like this, as we always did, we give her an opportunity to connect with God and just kind of like, okay, there's a lot of people in the room, but let's just all have an individual moment with God. And I said, you know, who here would like to invite Christ in your life, you, you know, you can't fix it. You can't get it all cleaned up inside first and all that. You've got to decide. There's a door handle on the inside. Are you going to open it up? And, I, and I, I just presented the gospel to her, and she gave her heart to Christ. And whatever happened, she didn't, she didn't come back again. And, uh, but when she left, she filled out a connection card telling, basically, of the decision she made, and we, we had that. We had that connection card. It might seem like no big deal, the connection card, no big deal, piece of paper, check a box, whatever. Okay, well, just a few months later, I think maybe five, six months later, her, her daughter came to church. Same ministry, same kind of group of people. She comes in, and she um, comes down with, I think it was Louise at the time, comes down and basically has some questions, and she wants some prayer because her mother, who came to connect six months before, um, had been murdered. She was actually found in a dumpster. And this girl wanted prayer, right? Right over here. She wanted prayer. And so I prayed with her, and I, and what do you say, right? I, it's, you know, it's kind of one of those, silver and gold have I none, but whatever I have, I'm going to give you. You need Jesus, honey. I don't know what to tell you. You need God. It's, this is a hard thing to overcome. But why don't you hold on just a second? I'll be right back. And I went to my office, and I sat down at my desk, and I pulled out my left second drawer, which is filled to this day with probably 2,000 connection cards, and I filtered through all those connection cards. It took a little while, and I found her mom's connection card, and I came back to her, and I said, I want you to know something. I can't promise you everything's going to be okay and everything's perfect here now, but one day, you can meet your mom because she gave her heart to Jesus Christ right here, and she's in heaven, and I have full confidence that she's in heaven because she told me. And a dream team member made that possible because the dream team member made sure that that connection card got to me so that I could keep that. So ministry matters. Ministry matters in eternity. And what happens here in this environment and all the things and all the different players, the small group people and the greeters and all that to make those two people feel welcome where they can come and literally just come out from behind the fig leaf and just say, I'm desperate. I don't know what to do. This morning when we were praying, before you guys came here, we prayed, and I had a picture. I had this picture that, uh, you know, of a soccer game, and a young person had gotten injured, and when somebody has an injury, basically they tell all the athletes to take a knee. 
And before you guys came to me, I don't know who you are, where you came from, what's going on in your life, we took a moment and we all took a knee. And we prayed for the injured, and we prayed for the hurting, and we prayed for those that are discouraged, disenfranchised, disconnected people that are all messed up, like this girl was, and like her mom was, and we prayed that they'd have an opportunity to connect with God. Because all of us have been drafted, but not all of us have been signed. All of us, when we sign, get gifts. All of us literally have to decide whether we're going to play for a coach, and all of us have to determine whether we believe we're going to be graded one day and decide to get on the field of faith. Would you stand your feet and let me pray for you? I'm just going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes, not because it makes you more spiritual, but just helps you focus. I'm actually going to take a knee for you as I pray for you and ask God to speak to you, you know, where you are. remember that day I was sad but I was also proud that I could with confidence tell that girl her mom's okay ultimately we hold on to this life really tightly and you instruct us in your word to wear life like a loose garment so if you would just give us each one of us more of an eternal perspective, all the problems we have and situations we have. It's, it's like picking lint. We just will do it forever. We'll just keep on finding a new thing to fix. Would you introduce us, Lord Jesus, through your church to a bigger problem that's just helping people with their relationship with you, which gets messed up by religion, religious people, abuses, different things that people have done, stupid stuff. I don't really think they're problems with you. I think it's with people, churches, religious people, all kinds of things like that. So God, would you help get all that crap out of the way and help people connect with you and decide not to just be drafted but signed? Would you also help people that are here today who have been signed, who said yes to you? that are gifted, to find out what those things are, to use them, to realize that they have a coach that they're playing for, not anybody else, not anybody else. We work as unto the Lord, for the Lord. We were created by him, for him, to bring honor to him. I pray, Lord, that we all realize that we'll we'll stand before God one day. He will remind us of this day. I told you, I tried, I tried, son. I tried, daughter. I tried. I used that that guy down there and he was talking to you that was that was him representing me maybe not perfectly but he was trying to get to you to get out of the stands and onto the field and so if you're here today and God is speaking to you about that just take action make a next step what is it fill out a connection card say I want to get in the game go to 301 tonight talk to some people but more importantly if you're here today and you have not accepted what Jesus did for you and you're ready to do that. I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to call on you because the Bible says those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm taking a knee for you. Jesus took more than that for you. 
he was vulnerable and naked and he was beaten, battered, bruised, pierced, crown of thorns, bled and died so that you could live eternally with him, negotiating the most unbelievable deal in all of human history for your soul. And he wants to be in relationship with you. And if you want to be in relationship with him and you know you're not, I'm asking you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to be saved today. I want to be signed today. Is there anybody that says that's me? God bless you, sir. God bless you. Is there anybody else? Thank you so much, young man. Thank you, young man. Thank you. Is there anybody else that says that's me? Thank you, young man. God bless you. Is there anybody else that says that's me? God speaking to people all over the room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Church, would you just say this prayer with me? Those of you who raised your hand, just put your hand on your heart. Say, Jesus, I'm signing up. I realize that I've been drafted and that you see me as special and unique. And I don't want there to be a hole in history, a gap in creativity. I want to do what you call me to do. And I accept your grace and I accept your assignment for my life. And I'm going to walk in your direction and fulfill that purpose and plan to the best of my ability in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, every person that prayed that prayer of salvation to be signed up, to receive grace, I pray that you just, you seal it. You seal it. Like the Holy Spirit, just speak to them and let them know. Secure. You, you don't have to pay for it. It's paid for. But what you need to do now is just follow through. Follow through. I pray for every person here that's gifted, that they use their gifts for God, not just for themselves. Point them in the right direction, Lord. Use our church or another church or other people, whatever it is, just get them out of the stands in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Amen. Thank you.